0: Hello and welcome to Connecting the Pieces, an Eastern Sector Development Team podcast focused on connecting, supporting and promoting good diversity, wellness and reablement approaches. My name is Dale Park and on today's episode I'll be talking with Joel Pringle, Advocacy Campaigner for the Benevolent Society on the Every Age Counts campaign and Sharon Porteous, Partnership Coordinator for the Inner East Primary Care Partnership. We'll be discussing ageism, the impact it has on older people and the Every Age Counts advocacy campaign. Welcome Joel and Sharon. Could you both give us a bit of an introduction to who you are and an overview of the campaign?
1: My name is Joel Pringle. I work for the Benevolent Society on a campaign called Every Age Counts and that's a campaign to address ageism. We're really happy to be working with a number of Victorian councils, including those who are working with Sharon under the Inner East Primary Care Partnership on this work around addressing ageism. Sharon, did you want to talk about that side of it?
2: Yeah, thank you. So I'm a partnerships coordinator at the Inner East Primary Care Partnership and we work with organisations across the eastern region addressing local health and wellbeing issues. So this campaign is a great example of that sort of work where we've joined forces with the seven local councils in the eastern region to raise awareness about ageism as it relates to older people. And we also want to bust some of those myths and stereotypes that we all have about age and ageing. And I'll just mention our key partners in this, which are the seven councils. So that's Burundurra, Knox, Manningham, Marunda, Monash, Whitehorse and Yarra Ranges. And we're doing it through a coordinated communications campaign using some of the great work that the Benevolent Society and the Every Age Counts campaign has And that's helping us to deliver some of the important messages around ageism. And we also know that the councils are in a fantastic position to communicate with their local communities on this issue. You know, they have the local community contacts and the links, and they've got the the channels such as their newsletters and their social media and their websites to, to communicate out those messages. That's great. Thanks for that
0: introduction. So not only working with councils and how they operate from an organizational perspective but then looking to use them as a vehicle to spread the message through the wider
2: community. Absolutely. That, that's exactly right. You know, the councils they work with a lot of organizations but also with community groups. They have connections through their clients and their customers. So yeah, the the reach is far
1: and wide through them. That is so important to us. We're a national campaign, every age counts. But we know that, you know, we, we tackle the, the policy areas and the structural challenges around ageism. But we know we can't achieve those things unless we are also changing attitudes in the community. You know, we can reach people, we can reach particular people who might be influential, but to reach the numbers of people we need across Well, Australia or different parts of Australia, we can't do that without the support of others. So when Sharon came to us and said, look, we've got some partners who would love to do some work in this area. We've seen your work. We thought that's great because that's the only way that we can affect the change that we're looking for.
0: It's great to see that national policy idea being able to then be implemented at a local level. Just so we're all on the same page, how do we define or describe
1: ageism? It's quite a new topic for us to be talking about and thinking about. And when we talk about ageism, we're talking about ageism from our perspective against older people, because it does happen to people across the age spectrum. But ageism against older people is a stereotyping, discrimination and mistreatment of people based upon their age. And we know that it doesn't happen too often. It's, it's unfortunately, it's a really uh, accepted form of discrimination, partly because we haven't thought about it before. We haven't considered its impacts. So if that's what ageism is, why is a campaign
0: like this important and necessary?
2: Well, from our perspective, you know, what we've seen in the research, Dale, is that ageism really does impact on people's health and wellbeing. We know it impacts on people's confidence, on their quality of life, on their longevity, on job prospects. Their health and their control over life decisions. So it's really important that we do turn the spotlight on to addressing ageism and tackling it. And it's also one of the most accepted forms of discrimination and prejudice. And, and we all do it, and we often do it unconsciously, and it goes unnoticed. You know, we've all bought those birthday cards talking about, you know, how awful it is to be another year older. And thinking that that's funny. So we we do have a lot of work ahead of us to change some of those attitudes.
1: Yeah, as Sharon says so well, ageism is so widely accepted. And that's one of the reasons that we need to get busy on this campaign. And also so many of us, all of us really, regardless of our age, have internalised this ageism because we've grown up hearing it and it, it it affects the way that we see the world as well. So that's some, one of the things that we need to start working on. That's a long term kind of change process. There's a lot more ageism in Australia than than many of us realise.
0: Obviously, ending ageism will have a positive impact on all of us. What are some of those
1: outcomes that could be achieved? We know that ending ageism in Australia can help older Australians and and enjoy better opportunities to participate in their communities. That's what we're trying to achieve, and that means socially, economically, and uh, as full citizens, really, to help. They, they'll be given more opportunities to have a say over their lives and enjoy better physical health. There was a recent report by the World Health Organization release that highlighted that one of the greatest health risks of older people is the ageism that they experience. So, so we know that challenging ageism and in ageism in Australia can have real health benefits and we need to get it move on with that.
0: Thanks for that. You've both made some really great points there. And I wanted to touch on the idea of internalised ageism because it's something that we've definitely seen have an impact on older people in regards to thinking about their strengths and abilities and the possibility of regaining functionality and independence We've had service providers tell us that an older person might have a sore shoulder or a problem with their knee, and they just equate that to getting older, as opposed to seeing the possibility of regaining strength and mobility and independence connected with that.
1: Yeah, we did a piece of work with academics from the University of Sydney on a project called Reframing Aging. The idea behind that research was that the way we talk about getting older and the way we think about getting older has real impacts on whether we display ageist attitudes or beliefs and then for also ageist behaviours. So that research uh, worked with groups around Australia, different urban, regional communities, and looked at how do we talk about and think about getting older and what are the impacts of that then looked at different ways to talk about getting older and really rather than you know taking a sort of a no that's wrong you're not talking and thinking right approach it sort of said if we present a different picture of getting older in the way that we talk and speak about getting older that's how we can start to change people's entrenched attitudes and beliefs internal and external and that's one of the key ways we can address ageism so that's kind of really become one of the foundation parts of of this campaign to address ageism and some of the materials that we produce and and Sharon and the councils have been looking with those as well to ensure that we're not reinforcing those negative stereotypes it's only going to be successful if the sort of ways we talk actually ring true to people. So it has to be grounded in reality They, there, because there are positives of getting older. There are positives of older people. And we all know that as well, just as, as much as we believe some of the negative stereotypes, we also know the positive ones. We just need to go and reinforce those. I think that's some really useful information about what
0: ageism is, why the campaign's necessary and how internalised ageism continues to impact society and all of
1: us. So what about the prevalence of ageism? Just to take some examples of how prevalent it is, the Australian Human Rights Commission did a piece of research called Willing to Work a few years ago. And they looked at, amongst other things, they looked at the experiences of ageism in the workplace, or people trying to get work, or people when they are already in a job. They found that 35%, so over a third of people aged 55 to 64, reported that they had experienced discriminations on the basis of their age. One in three older workers.
2: Even more recently, I was reading a report from New South Wales where they did another survey around the uh, use of health services. And 49% of the respondents there felt that they'd been treated differently in the New South Wales healthcare system because of their age. So there's definitely some serious data out there, and that's a really relevant one given, you know, the COVID pandemic that we're ex- still experiencing. That's a really great point that you raised, Sharon, and one of the things that I wanted to touch on was
0: actually the impact of COVID and the way in which it's resulted in people's attitudes towards age, ageing, and older people. So we've often heard older people being referred to as vulnerable during The COVID pandemic and there was a focus on keeping older people safe which is what was needed to happen from a health perspective but my concern is that society either consciously or unconsciously is then sort of placing that label of vulnerable or vulnerability across all older people in all situations, not just in that very specific setting. So what are your thoughts on how
1: COVID could impact on ageism? What we've found from the campaign perspective is that COVID has actually sprung the instance of ageism and understanding really to the fore across the Australian community because all of a sudden people have seen it people have seen the ways that older people have been talked about. And and this discussion, we had some horrible instances in the mainstream media around discussions of the lives of older people. And they're actually being very devalued, you know, uh, whether people deserve care or whether, you know, it might have been the older people more likely to benefit from things like certain types of the lockdowns. There were questions about, so what they're older, they've lived a long life. It's our turn now, and that that devaluing of life, I think people have seen It's, it's actually there's been a heart inside of it too, where people have seen those conversations. They've said, "That's actually not good enough. Here, we need to do better than that."
2: Yeah, it's definitely firmed the resolve I think of our partners in tackling ageism and getting this campaign off the ground. You know, while. It distracted their work in this space for a little while as they turned to sort of more urgent communications around COVID. It certainly has made them more motivated, I think, to do something about it. The the ageism that we've seen has been very spotlighted during COVID, but, you know, the the fact that we've got organisations willing to address that has been a really important positive outcome from that.
0: I think that's really encouraging to hear. Was there anything that you wanted to add in relation to the concept or the construct around terminology such as vulnerability?
2: Building on some of the language that we saw coming out through COVID around vulnerable older people needing to keep them safe uh, and spurred on by some media releases from Every Age Counts, We were able to produce a bit of a guide around language and we found that with the councils we could share that with them and, you know, they've been looking at that and thinking about the language that they use with their communications but, you know, in other sorts of publications as well and and trying to shift that away from classifying all older people as vulnerable and needing to be kept safe. So that's also a really positive outcome of, of that time. I think
0: that's a fantastic outcome and something that we really want all providers, community organisations to be taking on board. So I think that's a a great resource that you've developed there. I wanted to ask your thoughts about the idea of autonomy as we age and holding on to our independence and having choice and the way in which maybe ageist attitudes can stop people from enjoying their freedoms and being autonomous.
1: Well, One thing that we know for certain is and particularly in healthcare and other care systems is that ageism can take away people's autonomy. One way it does that is through stereotyping. We, we assume that we know people's experiences as they get older, what they're living, and we assume that they're all the same. We know there's, there's just as much diversity amongst older people as there are amongst younger people. And the moment that we take away people's opportunity to express their individuality, including in what services they need and what supports they need and how they need to be delivered, then we are taken away from the quality of life, both because we're reducing the quality of those services, because they're not necessarily going to be appropriate and appropriately timed, but also because they lose that self-worth of being able to make those statements and those decisions for themselves. I think that's a really great example of how people's
0: autonomy and choice can be withheld within the aged care system or or other caring environments. One of the things that we know is that as human beings we have prejudice, we have preconceived ideas and issues of ageism are often deeply entrenched. So how do we go about changing our own attitudes and perceptions and then the attitudes and perceptions of the community more broadly.
1: What we've learned through the Every Age Counts campaign is that I am most likely to be influenced by information that comes from somebody I already trust somebody I already know and I'm more likely to take that on board so that's why it's no good having Joel Pringle advocacy campaigner for every age count up there telling people that they should stop being ageist and here's some some data and statistics around that what's really important is that we involve people across the whole community those who are already sympathetic to what we're saying those who have lived the experiences of getting older and ageism and then can talk about that in their own communities, in their own families and workplaces and amongst their friends and social groups. And so that's what we're trying to achieve with the Every Age Counts campaign, not trying to run things all by ourselves. It's by working with partners such as those through the councils in in Eastern Melbourne. So working through those to reach people and giving support and materials to those local campaigns to do some of this work as well. But also to for individuals who want to get involved in every age accounts campaign to give skills and resources and training to be able to have these conversations in amongst their own their own personal contacts to start a conversation about getting older, not one that's led by some abstract group uh, over here, but actually um, in, in people's own personal connections.
2: I think that really speaks to the importance of this local campaign and getting The council's on board with it, who really are that closest level of government to the communities and are working in that sort of very place-based way and having those connections with the individuals and the groups and the organisations in their local areas. You know, if we can not only do this campaign, but turn the councils to thinking about actions that they could incorporate down the track that also tackle ageism as part of their uh, health and wellbeing plans, for example. Perhaps it's around promoting the fact that intergenerational programs are quite useful as well in addressing ageism. And also by sharing these messages across individuals that perhaps there is some desire for developing a grassroots movement. If these messages are being shared with older people themselves and, and we're asking them to share it with their family and friends and colleagues that hopefully it sort of ripples through the community and there are more people that will be passionate about uh, addressing the issue
1: i really have to have to say that the involvement of the NE's primary care partnership has really taken this campaign to address ageism another step forward we've been very happy to see how well they've really planned this out and and started to roll it out in their communities. I know it's an ongoing commitment that they've made and it's going to make a huge difference to what we're trying to achieve in their local council areas. But what we need to see is others following the leadership of those particular councils. And we hope that we might see some other partners in Victoria and around Australia actually to follow the leadership of these particular councils because they really are uh, taking on that responsibility and, and doing a great job.
2: But I should also say, while we're patting each other on the back, but you know, it really helped to have the evidence base and the tools and resources available to us. And and you know, every age council and the benevolent society have been fabulous in supporting that work. So you know, to have that behind us and alongside us has made such a difference. We're not we're not creating messages from scratch. We're not um, you know making tools and resources ourselves. We're using things that have been developed through good research. So that helps a lot.
0: Absolutely. That's the whole aim and point, isn't it, when you have a a big policy perspective and objective to then be able to have it filtered down to a local level and then be meaningful at that local level, as you were saying. I think it also really shows that those local councils and then are able to think about who uh, our community? What's the diversity that exists within it? And how do we tailor the messaging so that it's, it's most relevant? Obviously, from all the wonderful information that you've shared, people are listening going, how do I get involved? How do I support this? How do I become part of this campaign?
2: I think at the at the individual level, you know, people can follow their local council on their social media and share and like the posts that they're making around ageism. If they're working in organisations in the local area, they could also encourage their managers and their boards and their committees to participate. I think if they look at our website, the Inner East Primary Care Partnership or the Every Age Counts website, there's some fantastic resources, a brilliant video narrated by Brian Brown, which is Imagine a World Without Ageism, which is well worth watching and gives a really great overview of the issue and take the quiz themselves to find out, am I ageist? What do you think, Joel?
1: Wherever you are, check out your local council, see what they're doing. If they are involved in this campaign to address ageism, Get in touch with them, let them know that you're you're a you know a local resident, you think it's great what they're doing, but you want to be part of it as well. Also, these councils are making a commitment, a longer term commitment to stand against ageism and and take further actions to address it, hold them to it, making sure they do that follow-up too. We have a pledge. We ask people who support ending ageism in Australia to take this pledge and it says, I stand for a world without ageism where all people of all ages are valued and respected and their contributions are acknowledged. I commit to speak out and take action to ensure all people can participate in equal terms with others in all aspects of life. You can sign that pledge by jumping on our website, everyagecounts.org.au, and that'll also give you an opportunity to receive contact from us about what's happening with the campaign what developments happening events and other things that come on and also opportunities to get involved and we're very excited that later this year you will be uh, releasing a big piece of work around some resources to help people get involved in the campaign to end ageism in their local communities so that's the place to go
2: And there's a really important point there that you raised too joe which is taking the pledge but listening to those words in the pledge is actually once you're more aware of what ageism looks like is speaking up about it and really standing against it and uh, discussing that with people who do give you an Aegis birthday card or make Aegis comments, which is probably very unconscious or subconscious, but to actually take that on board and, and act on that as much as you can.
0: I think that's really great advice. And it links into what I kind of wanted to ask next, which was about How we ensure that the efforts that people put into the campaign, whether it's individually or at an organizational level, translates into sustained change or embedded change. So part of it, I think what you were talking about was always being alert to it and and speaking up when we see it. Are there other ways or ideas that you have for people to help them embed the the change that they're looking to achieve through a campaign like this?
2: Well we know that this campaign is really just the start and raising awareness won't change attitudes and behaviors ultimately so it's really looking at the work of the councils and uh, as Joel said sort of holding them to account on some of that but also what I mentioned earlier around the use of language and changing the language and how we refer to older people I think that it, it's hard because there's not a lot of clear advice around that, but certainly um, using the word vulnerable and keeping older people safe is, is not something that we want to hear a lot of. But even you know, within organisations, looking at what are the employment policies, are they discriminating against people because of their age? And looking at our built environment and holding the councils in particular to account around that and how accessible is our built environment and what could be done to change that. That's a, a few more sort of structural things that
1: we could do. Don't just sit back and say that's a good idea. I think that everybody should be stop being ageist. Uh, get involved in the campaign. Uh, those conversations when you challenge people, some, to some people they're easy, but for most of us they're not. And that's where we're trying to... Uh, through Every Age Counts, support people and how can, they can have those conversations that are sometimes a bit tricky or may turn out bit to be easier than you think if you have the language and support to do so. Yeah, it's interesting one around that. Uh, what kind of language do we use? Well, we, one of the things we know is that everybody deserves to be safe, not just older people. Uh, everybody deserves that protection. So when we single out a single group and say, Older people are vulnerable and we need to make sure they're safe. Well, actually, uh, there are a lot of vulnerable people across the community. Some of them are older, but everybody deserves to be safe, regardless of age. Yeah, absolutely. The the idea, I think, around how
0: vulnerability is and has been used, and s- similar with words like marginalisation, it can become attached inherently to that group as opposed to looking at the vulnerability the marginalisation or the discrimination coming as a result of often societal constructions, not something that
1: is directly related to the individuals who belong to that group. Yes. Age is not a vulnerability. People are not unsafe because they are older. There are some older people who are not necessarily safe and need support for that. But we need to break that nexus that every older person is the same, because everybody is an individual, there is much diversity, it might mean that we need to target some programs towards older people to see if they require that support, um, but we shouldn't assume that age is a vulnerability in and of itself.
0: I think you've said that absolutely perfectly, Joel. We're almost at the end of our conversation for today, but as a reminder for people listening, how do people find you online to support the campaign?
2: Thanks, Dale. So our website is uh, iepcp.org.au and if you put in your search, you, you just put in ageism and you'll get the webpage for the campaign from our perspective. But also you can go online to the councils so it's Burundra, Knox, Manningham, Maroondah, Monash, Whitehorse and Yarra Ranges councils and have a look at their social media and what they're posting around ageism. And some of the councils also have a dedicated web page. Inner East PCP is on LinkedIn. So uh, as an individual or an organisation, you can also follow us on LinkedIn.
1: So the Every Age Counts campaign, you can check out our website. On that website, we've got the pledge. You can also take a quiz, am I ageist? It can be a bit fun, can be very surprising how, how it comes back, but it's worth going through and it's a really great discussion starter or even uh, for yourself to consider things. And you can see some resources, what we've been talking about today, what is ageism, where does it come from and how do we change it? You can also find us online if you search for Every Age Counts on Facebook. If you are on Twitter, you can find us at, at everyagecounts and really encourage you to jump on there and join the, join the conversations that we're having.
0: Sharon and Joel, thank you so much for making yourselves available to talk to us about the campaign and ageism more broadly. We really encourage everyone listening to get involved and support the campaign and be an active participant in helping to end ageism. Thanks, Thanks Daniel. It was great to be here. And thank you for listening. This has been Connecting the Pieces, a podcast for the Eastern Sector Development Team. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our website, esdt.com.au, for other resources and contact information. Connecting the Pieces is recorded on Wurundjeri land. The Eastern Sector Development Team acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of land and sea throughout Australia and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. The Eastern Sex Development Team is supported by the Australian Government Department of Health and although funding has been provided by the Australian Government, the materials and comments made do not necessarily represent the views or the policies of the Australian Government.